0: Okay. Hi, you guys, and welcome to Speak the Movement, a podcast where we speak with yoga practitioners, teachers, and business owners for more perspective and insight. In this episode, we're here with Liana Martinez, who is a registered yoga teacher and a speech pathologist. So hey, Liana. Hey, good to see you. So to start off, I was looking at your Instagram bio, and it says, plant eater with a little plant emoji, world traveler, and it says mixed, and you have two little flags um, in your bio. So do you want to tell me what those flags are and what your heritage is?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, So yes, I'm definitely a plant eater. I've been that for (laughs) about six years now. Uh, World traveler, of course, all over the place. I love traveling, and that basically kind of ties back to the flags. Um, I grew up in Ohio, but my dad uh, is from Colombia. He came here when he was about 20 or so um and then met my mom who's white german american um so that's what those flags are colombian i'm half colombian i'm half american So mixed baby
0: what does it mean yeah. to you uh like in the current climate to share that with people in your instagram bio
1: yeah definitely i've had that up for a while but especially now i'm very proud of that i know i'm as I was growing up and whatnot, I felt very white. I was raised in a white suburban area, but I always knew that there was something different with a dad, with an accent, with dark skin, that maybe I didn't look this like every single other person around. Um, and so, of course, with most mixed people, not all, but a lot of them have this sort of identity crisis type thing of like, where do I belong? I don't fit in in the complete white community. I fit in the Colombian. I'm a little bit of both. So that's kind of been a process through my whole life of navigating, not knowing what am I really at the yeah. end of the day. Especially now over the last few years, I've definitely embraced who I am. And I don't I don't try to I have to be a white girl. I have to be a Colombian. I am a mixed baby. That's how I am and I'm proud of that. And a lot of my perspective on life is growing up in that multicultural household. Within the yoga community, I think now I'm especially more in tuned with that. Everything that's happened over this year with Black Lives Movement, how people are voicing their values and concerns, I definitely have reflected quite a lot um, Mm -hmm. on who I am and what my identity is. And being in the yoga community as a leader as a teacher, I also have noticed that maybe my style is a little different than just the typical white yogi female. That I love bringing in some of that Latin flair that has been part of me. And because the yoga community is almost homogenous, I want to encourage other people who are from different races, from different backgrounds, that it's not just for white upper middle class women that's just the yeah. out and trendy
0: Absolutely. I. That's something that we've talked a lot about on this podcast. And I just think that it's wonderful to be able to share that with your students, to let people know you know, what you stand for and the background that you come from, and just to help everyone feel like they can relate in a space where they might have previously felt alienated. Um, so I really appreciate that. But when you talk about your flair, it's so funny because as I'm scrolling down your feed, one of the favorite things that I found is your little video where you're uh, dancing to like watch me whip, watch me day-day. Tell me how you think playfulness can play into tapping into like your inner energy and finding yourself with breath and
1: movement. Oh, absolutely. I, my dad is a very religious man, um, Catholic born raised Colombian man, of course. So I grew up religiously. I don't define myself as religious anymore or anything tied to that. I do find myself more spiritual, especially through the yogic community, but he always told me, this is funny. Um, he always says, God is number one and music is number two. It's the key to your heart. It's the key to your soul. So I grew up with music in my household. Everyone, like my dad plays guitars and uh, mariachi band. He, my all my siblings sing and play instruments. So I grew up with just music and movement. And I was always dancing. Um, I was, I did all sorts of dancing and stuff. So that has always been in my soul and kind of resonated back to the core of who I am. And so through yoga, it's just another artistic expression of who I am.
0: You know, we talk about a lot of things in like yoga teacher training. Um, We both teach at the same studio as well. Mm -hmm. But something I think we don't talk a lot about is like the power of music um, and the power of playfulness, because I truly do believe that like your playlist can transform the energy in the room. Um, Like I just recently taught a TikTok class where we all like jam to TikTok songs. Yeah, and you know, it's like people will be like, oh, I came to do yoga. Like I don't really wanna do this dance. But it's so funny because as soon as they start moving like that, you see the smile flash onto their face immediately. And I think it's less commonly explored like doorway that we all have within us to like this inner joy in the same way that in yoga, we find inner stillness and inner peace. I also believe that we have like this inner, innate sense of joy that sometimes is more accessible than others. But one way to tap into it is just by not taking yourself so seriously and finding freedom in rhythm and movement and in music.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I get told all the time they love my playlist because I think that's one of the most important things. Some people say, And they like, and I get it. The more traditional, like either no music or limited. I get that too. But Mm -hmm. my style, same thing with you. It's that playful getting out of your head and just tapping into your body and becoming more present and in tune with that energetic flow, that movement. And again, not taking your life so seriously. And yoga, it's just practice. Reduce that stress, get out of your head and ground down. Dance is a beautiful way to get there.
0: To your point, like, you know, there are some people who don't prefer to practice that way, and I don't necessarily think that there's ever, like, a right answer or a wrong answer to that. It's just, like, what are you looking for in your practice that day, and, like, what energetic tools can you use to, like, embody those, like, concepts that you're looking for? Um, But also, scrolling down your feed, something I found that you posted, uh, it says, I may be broke, isolated, and filing for unemployment, but I can't say I'm not living. You said, the world is still moving whether we like it or not. The only thing we can do is take control of how we react when the earth flips from beneath our feet. I think this is a telling time for most and a time that reveals each of our truest colors. When the earth strips up bare, there's nowhere else to hide. So we can be stressed, angry, annoyed, sad, bored, or... We can breathe, keep on moving, embrace the stillness, reflect, go outside, smile, laugh, and keep adventuring in new ways. And let me tell you, the best views come after the hardest climb. Hold on long enough and you will see. That's something you posted right around the beginning of the coronavirus quarantine. So I wanted to ask you like what all of that means to you and also sort of like how isolation has shifted your practice and the way that you connect with students in the studio.
1: Yeah, reading that, wow, like takes me back to immediately when I wrote that. At the beginning of quarantine, so I'm a speech-language pathologist full-time. I started teaching yoga a year and a half ago, so it's only been kind of my side work up until quarantine was working like crazy hours and whatnot. Um, I was never home. I would wake up at 6, work out, work a 10-hour day, and then go teach a class and then get home at like 9 p.m. So I was gone 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. pretty much every day and then just exhausted. Once corona hit, it was the big wake-up call into my own lifestyle. Um, I work for a small business. We're a small private practice. So we were hit hard. We had to immediately close our doors. We have a lot of kids, patients, immune compromise, stuff like that. So we had to switch over to telemedicine, teletherapy in that process. We lost a lot of people due to insurance, due to money, financial situations, uh, What and a lot of them weren't appropriate to do online. Because of that, I basically lost most of my hours and I am hourly. So I went from working 40-hour weeks to about 10-hour weeks or less. And that freaks me out that I went from going cr- crazy busy schedule and having money flowing to I have nothing to do. I have no job basically, or almost no job. And I didn't know how long it was going to last if we would even stay open. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am not supported by my parents financially. I have no partner financially. I'm on my own. And so I immediately was like, okay, how much time can I live on money? It really freaked me out financially of, okay, can I support myself at the beginning? So I filed for unemployment to see if I could get extra money come in. And then I started at Black Swan. During that transition, for the first few weeks, I was terrified, I was freaked out, I was anxious, I was nervous, I was calling as many places I could to get more hours or to get unemployment. But then there was like a point where I started enjoying the stillness, enjoying being at home, not commuting every day, not feeling exhausted at the end of the day, being able to see the sunlight during the day. I couldn't believe, I started noticing all these things and then it just reminded me of like, that's what living is. It's enjoying your life every day. Yeah, I have no money, but it doesn't mean I'm never going to have money. Everything passes. Yoga's taught me that nothing is permanent. Mm-hmm. And it started to reflect and I started to slow down and I started to breathe more and just started to introspect and look at what I love in life and all the things that I can still create, even if I have no job and money, I can still make my own adventures, I can cook, I can connect ground down, get closer to the people I'm with, and I did that, and I, after I started that transition and that mindset, I went to the mountains, I, I, this is actually, I I went to Big Bend the day before uh, everything was shut down, and so when I was there, we had no Wi-Fi, we had no connection, we didn't even know what was happening, we knew there was like, it was a time where people were like, oh, there's something called coronavirus, and like, people are, ah, whatever, (laughs) And then we came back and on the drive home, we got like so many texts and all everything popping up and phone calls and, and the news. It was wild. During that time, like apart, I had never felt so still and connected to this earth. And I knew, because I love traveling, that that's what always grounds me back down and it reminds me why we're here. Not to work, not to get money, not to get things, but to connect and just look at ourselves and cultivate what feelings we want in that life.
0: I've quoted this book before, but there's a, a book called The Good Girl Myth by Maha which talks about um, like five common myths that women believe about themselves that are blocking them from like, you know, finding their most fulfilling like lifestyle. And one of them that I have strongly adhered to throughout my life is like the myth of rules. So as I grew up, I was like, I need to be educated, I need to get a job, I need to work nine to five, I need to like bring in a lot of money to support my lifestyle, I need to be the best at all of these different things. Um, And I think that coronavirus has allowed, not necessarily willingly, but thrown us into this situation where all of a sudden we are confronted by taking down the typical nine to five structure, and having all of this space to figure out like, what it is to connect with each other, what it is to connect with ourselves and what it is to find a day-to-day life that is fulfilling outside the notion of like, you need to do this all day, you need to achieve these things, otherwise you won't live a happy life. And like you said, very anxiety inducing, like life turner upside downer type of things. But I think that it's really important for us sometimes to like sit down and be like, okay, like what are the things that I'm assuming about the way that I need to live my life? And if I drop those assumptions, like what's possible for me, you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: I was actually asked, so I'm in this like holistic program type thing right now. And I was asked about a week ago, uh, we were talking about life purposes. um, And I thought it was super fascinating because people are always like, oh, I'm, what am I supposed to be doing? Why am I here? Especially now during current quarantine, it's like a lot of that just self-reflection. But I was asked to reframe that to think rather than thinking it as something that I have to achieve or something I have to do, why don't we think of it and reframe it as a feeling? Why mm-hmm. can't we strive to find this feeling of what you want to feel no matter what you're doing, no matter who you're with, where you are? Um. So for me, that's happiness, connection, relationships, grounding down, uh, strength, whatever that is. No matter my financial situation, my work situation, if I can find those feelings, that's why I'm here. To create that, to show that to others that it's possible to enjoy just being part of this world.
0: Yeah, and I think you're in a really good position of helping people to explore that like in the space of being a yoga teacher. So, you know, great, great place for you to be. But same
1: what you were saying, I lived that idea of I have to do great in school, go to college, get a job, grad school. I think there's great aspects of it. But yeah, I was thrown into that. And not until I like started doing yoga, I was like, this is not for me. I can't do this my whole life. Yeah. And so finding other routines, other outlets for that. And that's where I'm heading right now is that more holistic career. Yeah.
0: Yeah, totally. And and something that I saw in your bio that is also like a branching part of spaces that you're stepping into that people might not know about is that you're um an aspiring chef and I went to look at your Instagram. It's the first time I've ever seen it which I'm like really big on following all of my fellow yoga teachers food blocks because I'm a big cooker cooker food cooking vegetarian person <laughs> I, know, but, um, I looked at it and oh my god because it's beautiful you need to go follow this instagram i need to find your at can you tell me what your instagram at is it's at my little cocina c-o-c-i-n-a
1: it's not up to date like i kind of i started it a few years ago and then i kind of trailed off of it with because i get sidetracked with other projects but I'm in the process of making an ebook right now, and then I'm going to try to launch a cookbook next year.
0: Yeah, and I'm excited. I love it so much. Um, but also, can you tell me what it is that threw you into the vegetarian lifestyle? You're vegetarian, not vegan. Is that right? Correct.
1: Oh, this is also another story. <laughs> I grew up with two parents who don't cook. I love them to death, but we grew up Midwest eating fast food almost every day. I have three siblings. We're all like close in age. It was a hectic, crazy household. Both my parents worked full time. So yeah, frozen meals, uh, boxed food, lots of meat, lots of processed food. That's basically what I grew up with. Um, And then I went to college. I've always been an active person. So I've been in sports and dancing and all of that. So I always like to take care of my body. Um, but when I was in college, weirdly, I don't know how it happened, but my sister and my brother became vegetarian at the same time without telling each other. And then they said, you should try it. You should try it. And I was like, nah, 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 nah. I don't want to do that. Like, I love me. I love my chicken. i like, whatever. And, um, so they're like, just try it. And then I was like, okay, I'll do it for like a month. So I did it. And like immediately after the month, I started noticing just like subtle things of like, wow, I could sleep better. Wow. I don't feel like sluggish after full meals um, where I just have to like lounge. I like, I'm ready to go. I feel energized. So that's kind of what started of more of that nutrition part. And then I started learning about animal rights and environmental rights and just, you know, the whole typical plant-based person. Mm -hmm. Um, so I kind of went down that path for a while and then I, going back to the food, it forced me to cook. Yeah. So I Mm -hmm. I never really learned how to cook because my parents didn't cook. We didn't grow up with like homemade food. So it was forcing me to experiment in the kitchen, experiment with new vegetables and foods that I never heard of, and just like really go down that path. And I loved it. Like I'm a creative person. I love trying new things. I like challenges, um, and I started creating through my food, and I love that. Um, and then a couple of years go by, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, which is an autoimmune disease, in 2018, I think, uh, and that also changed my perspective with food I started noticing just like gut issues that I was having wow. whether I was bloating bleeding uh all sorts of nasty stuff <laughs> uh, and so then I there's foods that triggered me so things I had to start taking out like I noticed like a lot of dairy was bothering me a lot of gluten was bothering me a lot of foods high in fiber like beans and nuts and things that most plant-based eaters eat to get the mm. nutrition for me I had to take more of those out Mm-hmm. so i was super restricted uh, which made me forced to learn how to cook in other ways again now i'm at a point which is also like i'm in like this weird like i said earlier i'm like in this weird transition phase where mm-hmm. i i'm someone who's like you eat what you want if it makes you feel good great everyone has their own bodies their own views and all of that i get that but for me I've been plant-based for so long. And recently, because of what's been happening with my ulcerative colitis and things that are hard for me, I've started to introduce meat back in here and there. Even if I do start eating meat more regularly now, I think it will be really limited. It would be like high quality uh, and all of that. But majority, I'm still plant-based. I mean, I can't go a day without eating vegetables or like, I feel it. I definitely yeah
0: no totally and i think that it's so important for everyone to find the diet that specifically works for them like um and on top of that like something that i'm really big on is um like not being a vegetarian or like a vegan purist or like Mm -hmm. telling people that their diet is like not sufficient or like they're not being helpful towards these important issues just because, like, they consume differently than how you do. Like, any awareness, I think, of of the stuff in general um and, like, implementing that into your diet and, like, taking the time to figure out how to do that is important. And I would hope that more people would be able to, like, hop on the bandwagon that way than being like, oh, I have to do everything perfectly or else it doesn't count, right? But um, it's so funny to hear you, like, talk about, like, your family doesn't cook and, like, how this brought you to a space of of um, exploring that on your own in the kitchen because, really, I come from the exact same background. Parents, I love you so much. I love you so much. And we still connected with each other, like, at dinner all the time. But, like, you know, it wasn't so... At college, I was just, like eating out all the time, like Chipotle, Panera Bread, all this stuff. And it wasn't until I really graduated that I was like, I should probably improve my diet, number one. And like number two, this is an important life skill that like no one taught me in school and like I need to figure it out. Um, But like learning how to cook and also figuring out how to arrange my day, because like you said, we have busy lifestyles, um, to be able to like prepare food for myself, was difficult. So what resources did you use? And also, how did you find a way to fitting cooking food for yourself into your daily routine?
1: I'll first say that I personally don't believe in diet culture. Or, I mean, yes, I you can do what you want, but if you're looking for a long-term overall health span rather than a lifespan to nourish your body, it's about balance harmony with yourself. Um so when I started I think it was just little by little of I was eating I was just introducing a few vegetables here and there. Um a lot of it was just starting to follow food bloggers, um recipes, cookbooks, my sister and brother I, I told you were a vegetarian. And um, so they were great resources, so just having someone who's going who's already doing that lifestyle and just getting advice from them and then starting to cook on my own and just experiment again once i started to i just noticed over time without even trying that it was just becoming more and more habitual to me and I, I don't like eating the same meal all the time i like mixing it up and trying new things so it was more of like playing with the kitchen and playing with food and it was more of an overtime thing rather than okay i need to get my carbs i need to get my protein whatever and i've done a lot of research so like reading articles um watching documentaries, listening to podcasts, anything like that on nutrition and food. And also I'm someone who really cares about my health. So I, and I have health issues. So I'm always in the doctor. So I'm always getting like my checkups, checking my blood count, whatever, just to make sure I'm not deficient in anything. Um, And I never am. And and I don't check proteins. I don't check whatever. Like Mm -hmm. I've never been deficient in anything because I know that if I eat a full plant-based meal, you're going to get everything. Not by eating like just a bowl of pasta. Yeah, that's vegetarian, but that's not going to last. That's not going to sustain you. It's not going to nourish you. It's like being able to create meals that have everything without even thinking about it. And that, again, happens over time. And just like the more you're in the kitchen, the more you want to try new things.
0: Yeah, I really think if, if you're coming from the perspective of like, I've grown up always eating meat and then like trying to change your lifestyle, one of the biggest advice that I could say is don't think of it as like eating the same meal, but then omitting things because mm-hmm. that's when you're going to find yourself, number one, dissatisfied and number two, like lacking in energy or like struggling with your body. Um, so instead, what we can do is look out for resources like you were saying, food bloggers, YouTubers, avant-garde, vegan, vegan is great, plant-based is a great channel, um, and finding meals that are like created for someone with your diet, um, which can sound intimidating because it's probably like a space you've never stepped into before, but you'll find that it doesn't take any more effort you know, to, to cook those things. It just takes the time to like reformulate what your idea of like common meals are in your life.
1: Yeah. And it's, I also believe it's all mindset that at the end of the day we eat yes to nourish ourselves. But a lot of times when people are in like diets are just changing from like all meat to plant-based when they have that mindset, Oh, I can't have that. Um, maybe frame is oh I get to eat this I get to try this something new and then if oh I accidentally ate too much or I went to a chick-fil-a instead and I don't feel good I slipped up and if you're hard on yourself yeah it's not going to sustain it's not going to be great but if you have that myself oh yeah and not beating yourself up it's it's not just food it's like mind body connection it's that gut it's that understanding that you're not perfect you're human things change things slip up things it's normal
0: totally yeah and so tell me in that also being human like did you find yourself like struggling to find the time to cook every night were you like cooking on weekends and cooking ahead like what did that look like for you schedule wise at first
1: i was cooking a lot like a lot a lot and it was taking a lot of time um a lot of effort um and not always sustainable i get Mm -hmm. that totally especially with a crazy busy schedule But I've also started to just do little things here and there just to help me throughout the week, whether that's, like, as soon as they come home from the grocery store, I just wash them right away so I don't have to do that later, like vegetables, or, like, just chop them up and then stick them in a container so then when I want to, like, make a pasta, I just throw it all in rather than have to, like, shop in one day. Uh, cut up, clean everything, cook all in one day, clean up. No, I kind of space it out like, oh, right after work on Fridays, I st- go th- stop at the grocery store the next day. I figure out what I'm gonna make the next day. That's maintainable and it doesn't feel like I'm wasting so much time or it's just taking up a whole day or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Some days though, I'll, like if I, if I so want no, to, all the days I'll just spend hours cooking. It's more meditative for me. And mm-hmm. then I cook
0: maybe once a week after that, but really yeah. not really. But then not pressuring yourself to like do this one specific thing all the time because yeah for me what it was is in the beginning I was like well I don't have time to to cook during the week so I was so um, like gung ho about meal prepping so I would do like all my grocery shopping on Sundays and then all the cooking on Sundays like you said um, like do all the prepping of the ingredients do all the cooking all the boxing up in the containers and then like all the dishes. And, um, I was doing that and then I would wake up on Monday and just be freaking exhausted. And I found myself so much with the Sunday scaries. It was like, I felt like I didn't even have a weekend. Um, but I was doing that for like a really long period of time. And eventually I just burnt out. I couldn't do it anymore. And then when I got to that burnout period, I was like, oh, well, I'm not doing like this routine. Like, I don't know what to do anymore. And I just started like ordering like Uber Eats all the time. So don't pressure yourself. Like you don't have to meal prep like that. Like Liana said, like there's so many ways that you can make things easier on yourself. Like just chopping up the zucchini and putting it in a Tupperware so you don't have to cut it when you want to put it in the pan. Like there's ways to approach it without like totally burning yourself out and stressing yourself out over like another checklist item or another calendar item. Like make it something that feels good for you. Yeah. Yeah. So can you tell me also how you feel like how did how did the concepts of yoga for you help hold you accountable to being good with your body through food?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Originally, it started off. I was just noticing those connections of like food, nature, being one, and how it's what the earth provides us, and also one of the first yamas in yoga is ahimsa which means non-violence so a yama is a guiding principle for overall contentment happiness peace in life Um, and one of this is not rule but guidelines or things to think about is that ahimsa non-violence and that can be through like words of being nice whatever but it also talks about um not harming others including animals mm-hmm. yeah like factory farming and like a lot of the meat especially here in the U.S. is just like so bad and it is not good and it's just like we're harming all these innocent animals and just like over mass producing them for no reason yes I think meat if you're going to eat it it should be of quality and it's more of like we're thinking that animal to nourish ourselves mm-hmm. through yoga I I became very connected to we as people are not intrinsically different from nature. We have been created from nature. We are from the planet. We are from the earth. We are from the animals and we've evolved, but it doesn't mean that we're different from them. And so when we start to think about our body as this vessel that we were grown from the earth, well, we're also nourished from the earth. And that's Mm -hmm. where we find that groundedness through food, through nutrition. We don't need it. From other things, yeah, they taste great, it's fun, but we don't need it and it doesn't necessarily make us feel great. Um, so just seeing that connection between food being sacred, that Mm -hmm. it's it's pleasure, but it's also this abundance of it's a gift that the Mother Earth gave us to live, to breathe. So I'm very thankful for what I have, and that yoga has really let me be grateful for that what I have especially food because without that like we have nothing and I also think that food is medicine we, it's preventative medicine and people will wait until they're sick just drug themselves off and have surgeries and all of this well we could have just been eating healthy to prevent all of this and go through struggles
0: absolutely I very very firmly believe that like it is amazing what we can see prevented when we start with the healthy lifestyle which includes how you're nourishing yourself. Um, Yeah, which is so crazy. And I also love that idea of your nourishment and thinking about food being part of like your gratitude practice, like how you're saying that you're grateful for the resources that you have and the way that it affects your body. Um, But I wanted to go back to like the beginning of your yoga journey and just kind of like quickly walk from the beginning to where you are now. But how did you discover yoga? Where did it start for for you? And like, how did your practice initiate?
1: It's been a journey for sure. So like (laughs) I said earlier, I, when I was younger, I was dancing a lot. I was in gymnastics. I was running. I was in sports and all this. I've always been active. Once I got to college, um, they had those like free like workout classes. So I would just go, um, and I think I might've tried yoga once with like my sister-in-law or something like that. Um, but I went to classes and I was like, okay, it's fine. Like I honestly did not like yoga for like a couple years doing it. And um, so I, I saw it more of just like a workout, um, of like, okay, I stretched out, I worked out, but I was never connected to it. And then when I moved to Austin, I didn't have much money. I was a student. And so I ended up at Black Swan. It's kind of where I started my journey. Cause I was like, oh, it's donation based. I can go when I want, I can, I don't need a membership. And a lot of the studios here, like in general you have to pay a ton of money. I'm like, I can't mm-hmm. do that, That's not accessible. So I went to Black Swan and through that I started like meeting people and started feeling more of that community connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I ended up going to Wanderlust um, because they're like, oh, if you like work here for a little bit, you have free membership. I was like, that's awesome. Then I can just have free yoga and go as much as I want. And so then I started going more. Once I started working at Wanderlust is when, I mean, I had unlimited yoga, so I would go way more. And once I started going way more, I started seeing different styles of yoga. I started connecting with teachers and started noticing, wow, like, they're not just here to give a workout they're preaching like life lessons here and i'm being like tuned into my soul and they're listening to the thoughts in my head i'm like how is this happening i was like going through anxiety and depression and all this and they like knew for some i just felt it like there was times where i would be in class and i don't know what they said it was something inspirational but I, i just felt like she was talking to me and that's when i connected to the practice i'm like oh this is not a workout. This is yeah. not like just to move your body. It's like this mental spiritual grounding connection that I found so powerful and I wanted more, so I kept yeah. going and seeing more people and more teachers. And like, I mean, it got me through a lot of like tough times, like being here alone. I don't have any family in Texas. Um, I didn't know anybody when I moved here. I mean, I was going through a lot of mental health stuff and whatnot. And it pulled me out. It saved me. I decided I wanted more. I want to know the spiritual side. I want to know the philosophy, the history, and I'm a nerd. So I love it. So that's when I did my 200 hour teacher training um, at Wonderless And through the teacher training is is really when it really, really hit even deeper. Of uh, It was like three months of intense therapy, always crying and emotional, being vulnerable. And like, just digging into your deepest self and like making you think of things of life and all of that. And that was all so, so powerful. And I was like, if yoga can do that to me, that means it could do that to other people too. Mm -hmm. And that's when I really wanted, I knew I needed to teach, like be that voice for someone else too. I'm not a yoga teacher for the money. Clearly. I'm there to make other people feel the way that I felt one person. If they see something I'm there for, and to hold that space for them.
0: Yeah, I really, really, really see my journey in your journey. Um, very similar experiences. It's crazy when, you know, you do yoga the first couple of times and you're like, okay, breath and movement, got it. And then one day or like when you find the studio or the practice that clicks with you and like you feel the music in your soul and like the lights in the room are contributing to the energy of the atmosphere and you feel the breath around you and the teacher says something that you feel like is aimed right at the experience that you're having in that moment and all of a sudden you're in half pigeon or shavasana and you're Mm -hmm. tears coming down your face and then you take teacher training and you all of a sudden have made friends that you are never gonna forget and have like gone to the deepest most introspective parts of yourself and you think how could I not share this with other people you know for me it's like I also am in the space of I do not rely on my yoga teaching career to provide for my lifestyle financially. I don't know if that will change in the future. We'll have to see where things go. Um, But I truly believe that the investment in other people's wellness is what drives a teacher that you can step into that space with and have that same experience.
1: Two things. One, I also know that a teacher can make a difference that if, like you can go to a class and like not like it and then never will come again um especially if you're new to yoga and you go and you, you, that teacher is not as connected to the practice as maybe another one that their students are never going to want to come again cuz they're like oh uh, I don't like it so that's what like drives me of that like I want people to want to come back I want people to like have that like huh like thought what else is there like I want to keep coming and learning Um, um, another question that has kind of resonated with me was at the beginning of my teacher training, our lead teachers asked us the question of why are you doing teacher training right now? Why right now in this moment, what in your life brought you to here? And I never thought of it like that. And at the time I was just like, Oh, I just wanted to become a yoga teacher. But then when I started thinking back of like, yeah, why now? I know I've said I wanted to do it forever, but what drove me to that point and for me it was like i had just gone through like a breakup i was alone i was sad or all this stuff i didn't have a job or something like that and i was looking for like hope i was looking for connection and then i was like wow that feeling powered me to make a decision to change my life and i did before i was a yoga teacher i was a very different person and that's what i think about anytime i like make a decision now of like especially big decisions why am i doing this like what purpose is it just for the money is it just to have something to do is it to occupy time mm. but why now what is like why now there's always an underlying factor
0: And look at that, like full circle from the kind of like life realization conversation we had around coronavirus and like having all this space to like ask those questions and like, how powerful is that? And just such a simple tool to really pause and introspectively, truly ask yourself that question. Um, Just such a powerful tool in your life. And it's crazy what you'll find on the other side. If you allow yourself the space, you hold the space for yourself to be honest Um, so tell me when you speak of like all these different ways that classes can be and what they can mean to people what is a class with Liana like how would you define your class
1: I would say my class is very music driven like we said earlier I love my playlist I love music and I think that's very important to how the practice is perceived, at least in my eyes. Um, I like to have power. I like to move. I like to sweat. I also integrate a lot of just like questions and getting people to think more about who they are, where they are in life, why they're doing certain things. So a little bit of spirituality. And then also, of course, I always have my Spanish music, so I'm always dancing a little bit. So it's always upbeat and again, bringing in that like little playfulness and like trying to make it less serious. So we drop out of that thinking head and into our, our feeling body. Yeah,
0: I love that so, so much. I love the playfulness aspect. Um, And also for me, uh, my classes, I feel, tend to be very focused on the physical. So it's nice to kind of have the broader perspective of like bringing dharma into it. Um, But whenever a student like leaves your classroom, how do you hope that they're leaving feeling? I hope that they leave feeling
1: better than they did when they came in. No matter, it doesn't matter what that means to them, whether that's like, wow, I feel better physically. I feel maybe more relaxed. um, Or it could be more spiritually, Wow, I feel just connected to myself. I feel more present. I feel Mm -hmm. still. I have some peace. I haven't felt this less anxious in a while. I wouldn't want them to feel worse. Totally. Uh,
0: But sometimes going through that journey also, like, you know, digging up the stale energy and those things that you maybe have repressed, and this is allowing you the channel for that to come up, like, you know, sometimes you you don't go out having completed the emotional cycle, but at least, you know, the long-term journey is that you've started them on the path.
1: Yeah, definitely, and especially recently, again, kind of tying back to what we said earlier, I've started just to become more open with my students um, and lead by example, that I'll talk about, like, my own history. Like whether they ask me or not, I'll be like, oh, so this happened in my life. Just becoming vulnerable and seeming more like on a human level of connectedness. Rather than like, hi guys, let's work out and then bye. No, it's more of just like recognizing that I'm a human being, just like everyone else. I'm not higher because I'm teaching you or anything. Like it's your practice. You do whatever you want. But inviting in that space and allowing other people to feel like they can connect to and feel like okay like she mm-hmm. makes the mistake. she's going through a tough time right now i can not do it's not
0: bad it's yoga yeah it's fine yeah
1: yeah like i mean gosh brene
0: brown vulnerability is power right um mm-hmm. and i think that that's just so true especially in the yoga space like as teachers i think that we really have um like our work is to be able to express the way that yoga is a tool for us in our life to deal with our shit. It doesn't mean that we're not dealing with shit. It just means that we have spent the time to study the tools to help us deal with our shit. And then we'll tell you about our shit and tell you about the tools that we're using to deal with it. So like, I never want to come across as like, I have my life solved and like every problem that comes my way is like just like not a thing. No, but however, or like not, but it's, and now I have these tools that allow me to approach things in ways that are healthier for me than they have been in the past. And that's what we're here to share.
1: Yeah, actually I had, it's, it's funny. I always think about this now. Um, It's really sad. My grandma passed away like right before I had to teach and I worked all day and I like hadn't talked to anybody I found out and I probably should have like taken off that class, but I went and taught and I got there and I was fine. I held it together, whatever. Um, And then I just started like opening and just saying, lay on our backs and just notice what's coming up, what you're feeling. And as I was saying that I was like meditating at the same time, like telling myself out loud to just let myself feel Um, and then I started bawling (laughs) like Mm -hmm. this is like at the beginning of class when I'm trying to get them to just like relax and I just start crying and crying and I can't even get half my words out and I think they all like looked at me and then and then I I like I I like I was like okay well I can't stop it now so it's gonna be part of my practice now and I told them and I was like I'm like right now I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm not here to just pretend that I'm okay. I want y'all to know that like my grandma passed away. It's a lot, but what I'm feeling is what I want y'all to feel that like, it's okay to feel your feelings when you need to. We can't just pretend things are okay just to go to work or whatever. Like, And after that class, and I, I kind of timed it made it more smooth or whatever into it. I was actually pretty mm. proud of myself how it actually yeah. turned out. But at the end of class, I had like five people or maybe six or seven people come up to me and hugging me and I had people crying and I like they started telling me their stories of like wow like I actually I'm so glad that you felt like you could cry in front of us and like be vulnerable and like tell us that and like a lot of them were compassionate and then some people started telling me things and I was like wow and that day I was like okay like why am I trying to act like I'm happy when I'm not um I'm not going to like that's gonna just be fake and that's not what I'm here to do Uh, and I felt more connected to them I think they felt more connected to me and from then on I've started to just feel what I feel and let people just know that it's okay
0: but a true display of I mean just like living your yoga and um, it's not to say that like a yoga teacher is like an authority figure or anything but um, this concept of power Brene Brown talks about is like power over versus power with and power to and we often say you know real leaders aren't the ones that like stand here and point and tell people to do things which is one way that you can teach a class what a leader is is somebody who comes and does the work with the people right and like leads by example and so what I love about that so much is you stepped into that space and you were like this is it this is the work right and like let's do this together and that allows everyone else the space for them to do the same and i think it's just incredible the next question i was going to ask is is there any specific ways that you connect with your students outside of the classroom
1: of course i'll I'll talk to students after class um and get to know them on a more personal level um in terms of my social media again i'm i'm right now in a process uh my friend and i were creating this holistic, uh, wellness program that we're going to launch in January, which is kind of where I want to go more towards. So, um, this is a great way where we're, I'm going to be doing a lot more soon, but we're, I'm making recipes. It's going to be kind of like a cookbook, but not like a, uh, like a meal plan. It's more of like inspiration, um, and ideas to incorporate more healthiness into your life. And then I, we're also doing, we're calling it wellness is sexy. So, it's gonna be like a sexy thing. Right now, yeah. I think yoga, <clears throat> I mean, we're kind of, I'm like, yes, I'm spiritual and I'm very yogi, but I'm also not that all the time. And so, I think a lot of times, especially in the yoga world, it's like just yoga clothes and mala beads and like, yeah, head, yeah, head, and calm. And I'm like, that's not what yoga has to be. Like, yoga is like just re- tuning into your true self. And if your true self yeah. is like, spicy sometimes it's a little sarcastic it's whatever like yeah that's sexy like as long as you own that and so that's what we're doing we're we're presenting it as nah like you don't have to just be this white yogi in yoga clothes like you can be like rocking like some joggers and like a crop top and like eating a smoothie and like drinking whatever like yeah it's great so that's one way that i'm starting to connect more to people within the health and wellness world, whether that's my students whether it's other yoga teachers, mm-hmm. um, or just people in general, um, and opening up that little realm. So that's what I'm trying to do more of to reach out
0: and connect. Heck yes. I, we could go, go a whole nother leg on like another, um, like topic I I've, I've heard a lot about or listened to podcasts on is like what we expect a yoga leader to like look like or what we expect Mm -hmm. a spiritual leader to look like and not really understanding that the whole idea of the spiritual journey is coming back to the self and discovering that and but like there's power in things that we don't traditionally just like think of as spiritual like there's power in your sexuality. There's power in your style. There's power in like the way that you want to present yourself. There's power in the food you eat. There's power in the people you surround yourself with. And so like, I love just highlighting all of those aspects and not being like yoga has to be like green trees and asana and like, that's it. Um, so love that. And also really good overview and like segue to this next question. Cause my closing question for you is what are your hopes for the future? Where do you hope that you're Uh, health and wellness career will go and like what future offerings do you imagine for yourself or do you just you're in a space of I'm figuring out as I go
1: oh man I have so many (laughs) ideas and projects that I'm working on right now and like I think it's endless within the holistic area I would love to quit my nine-to-five job work for myself create my own holistic business I want to create like food, inspiration, meal plans, quote unquote. Um, And then more tools for people who have crazy lifestyles or think they can't do it of just teaching them rather than just giving them like recipes. Okay, let's teach you, give you the building blocks that you feel confident. Then you can start to change your life. My dream, I'll tell you my dream, um, is one day to own my own holistic business of some sort um i don't want just a yoga studio i don't want just like a vegetarian cafe or something like that mm-hmm. i want a space of like a community space that has um leaders and teachers of um cooking classes of learning how to garden and grow your own food of uh making it accessible to those who maybe can't afford it financially as much of um and i also imagine like a beauty like this is my dream um what i really would i would love to create a giant greenhouse of just like plants galore and in the middle it's just like this big giant yogi space of just mats, <sighs> and have a yoga studio and a heated um like atrium basically oh um,
0: my yeah Lord.
1: <laughs> i know so i'm doing projects here and there i'm also creating an app with a friend right now and we're doing like workout stuff still kind of finding a clear vision i'm also like super into ayurveda and thinking about getting my um uh certificate or whatever and training in that and working that into my nutrition and maybe getting a nutrition degree as well.
0: Um, yes. And and I love this segment of like asking that final question to everyone, because when I picture a world, cause everyone will like pause and be like, okay, I know this is like far fetched, but like, this is my dream, you know, but like, can you imagine a world where everybody was able to create those things? And like, we had those resources at our hands because that's what we need. That's what people want. And the fact that you can dream it is like already starting to bring it into existence. It will happen. Just the time will tell when. Yes, that's the, that's the way to be. And I can't wait. And I will be following you the whole way there. Um, before we close out, I have a speed round for you. So I'm just going to ask you some questions and you can just answer them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Okay. What's one word you would use to describe your personal practice? Ongoing. What's one word that you would use to describe your class? Say connection. Can you give me a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that makes your heart happy?
1: I honestly think turning on a favorite song and dancing in the kitchen. I got my music on, I'm jamming, I'm making a smoothie, and everything's great. And that's it, I'm vibing.
0: Yes, girl, that's mm-hmm. I love
1: that. Okay, what's on
0: your nightstand?
1: Books. I have books, journals. Essential oils, um, a lot of like probiotics and stuff.
0: What's your favorite book that's on your nightstand currently?
1: Currently, I'm reading S Essentialism. Um, it's about making life more minimal, um, whether that's physically with things, but more of like how you perceive life and how you react and um, simplifying. Um, rather than overthinking,
0: overreacting.
1: Yes, love
0: that. What is your most favorite yoga pose?
1: Ooh, that's a good one. Um, Shavasana, of course.
0: Gonna of <laughs> Absolutely, valid answer. What's your least favorite yoga pose?
1: Chair pose.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> like
1: most people, I don't like chair okay. pose.
0: No, that's a good one. My next question for you is, when is the next class that you're offering?
1: Yeah, I teach... Sundays at six and seven thirty p.m. at Black Swan Anderson North, and then after that, I'll be teaching on Thursday at seven fifteen
0: a.m. Woohoo! All right, and the last question is: Where can we find you for more information? Awesome! You can find me basically just on
1: Instagram um, at at Liana L I A N A underscore underscore so two underscores Martinez.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I had such a blast. I thought the topics that we, uh, that we went over, like really gave me a therapy moment, but I think I needed that. (laughs) Thanks for coming on. And thank you to everybody who tuned into this episode. See you next time on Speaker Movement. Om Shanti. Peace.